Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Sam Otten, co-writer and host of the Justice League Universe podcast, where we also cover all of the movies in the DCEU. Uh, we do it scene by scene. It's Bit of a change. More sane option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, today, uh, Donna Justice, we're talking about minute number 40. And then it's going to start with Clark Kent informing Perry White about a bat vigilante in Gotham. Uh, and then the minute ends with Perry putting a stop to Lois Lane's abstract sense of observations and inferences. So she's... What was that last word? Inferences. Inferences. Like, I know what inferences means. I just didn't hear it properly. I'm sorry. Inferences. Make sure the listeners heard it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so Kal has just found out about this bat vigilante, this bat thing. I guess he's like, it's just a person. It's, he's like, I'm not falling for the whole demon thing. It's just some bat guy. You think? He says bat vigilante. This it's bat vigilante. vigilante. He thinks it's just a guy in a costume. He, no, he, he did not. Then he, he would have said this man in a bat costume. He is. This the, bat yeah, vigilante is more along the lines of. He is still superstitious. Uh, yeah, but he's the alien. He is the he is the alien. So I mean, everything else besides it's like an alien calling another alien an alien. It's exactly what the situation we're having here. He doesn't know what this bat vigilante is. He doesn't know if it's a man. Maybe he's assuming because Superman or, or Cal himself is an alien, so he knows that. Hey, man, other worlds exist. Uh, you know, is he that close-minded to think like? A bat vigilante is just a guy dressed up in a costume, or is he more open-minded to saying, like, hey, man, I came from another planet. What's this guy's story? Hmm. Did you have a hard bargain, Nate? Think about it. We've only seen two beings in this universe, we as the viewers, two beings in this universe that have capes. Uh, that's, a big, that's a big thing. Yeah, Feora. Jonah's on the red cape. General Zod had a cape. Yeah, in like minute one. No, it caught on fire. Remember, he took it off. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Pharaoh had a cape, too. You said that. Um, <laughs> they all had capes. Everybody has capes. I don't know. See, I don't think... It's cape society. The reason... There's, there's something about... This is why this, the writing to this movie and the writing to this dialogue is borderline genius, if it isn't genius. I mean... It's like, I mean, the, the, right there. I'm looking at the right there. The bat, this bat vigilante. It's not, they're not dropping names like Batman. They're not dropping names like this guy in a bat suit. They're not saying man. They're not saying person. They're not saying thing. It's, it's a being. But I think it's important to, to note that they're not saying it because the filmmakers are embarrassed to say Batman or Superman. It's no. the characters in the story that exactly. they <laughs> don't want to acknowledge each other. Exactly. I think that's mm-hmm. more important. Yeah. It's not like the Fantastic Four reboot where they were like, the entire time they were like, we can't call ourselves a Fantastic Four because that sounds silly. We're trying to be super serious here. It's, yeah. We're dealing with science. It's like, come on. So, Just, like, you think, I mean, yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm Cal. I'm flying around with a cape and a, and a cool costume and, you know, helping yeah. people. In my mind, it's not a costume. And yet, he's hearing from word of mouth that there's this thing that dresses yeah. like a bat and, you know, flying around is disrupting people. That's... That doesn't sit well with Clark. He's like, I'm supposed to be that. I'm supposed to be the guy in the suit helping. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have a suit doing stuff 
in public, you should not be terrorizing people and scaring them all and all that kind of thing. Because that's also yeah. like Superman's like, no, you're kind of ruining, you're like ruining the sentiment that I'm trying to have more positive impression. Exactly. So I agree with I agree with what you guys are saying, and then also I think the writing makes sense in the scene because Clark is at like this pitch meeting amongst the staff and so he Mm -hmm. knows he only has a few seconds to try to like sell this to perry so he's going to frame it as a vigilante problem rather than just calling him batman which is just kind of a neutral name to refer to him so he wants to right away like i need to call him bat vigilante because i need to try to like sell this as a story and then i need to talk about he's you know he's terrorizing people and he's like focusing on the port and the projects like something is going on here that's worth investigating but perry's not really buying it I just thought about this. Do they ever say the the word Batman at all in this movie? They say the Bat Vigilante. Uh, there's other. I don't. The Gotham Bat. The Gotham Bat. Uh, I, do, think I don't Alfred, think they. Oh, Perry, I don't even Perry know if says it. says it. I just does remember he? though. Yeah, he Perry, does. Superman, nobody cares yeah. about Clark Kent taking on. Oh, he calls him the Batman. The Batman. So again, it's the superstitious aspect. So there is no Batman as like the persona as we would call him in a normal comic book continuity. I think Alfred says it, where he's like, it wasn't Batman who found out it was Bruce Wayne or something. I could be wrong. Wonder um, Woman he is, says I need the suit. Is yet to be said. Yeah. Wonder Woman isn't even said in the Wonder Woman film. So, well, with good reason. Superman is said most often. Yeah, but we talked about this earlier in the week. It's said with disdain. It's not said to identify him as a person it's said to you know it's it's barely even said because people don't want to say it because you can't i mean there's a god flying in the sky you're not just gonna be like oh hey look that's god up there oh hey what's up god how you doing you know it's not like oh hey what's going on superman hey superman nice to see you back that's the like, world no I like whoa hey the superman's here the superman yeah. the batman yeah um I like what you said, Sam, like Perry's not buying it because that's exactly Perry's point. No one is going to buy an article <laughs> that says uh, mm-hmm. crime wave in Gotham mm-hmm. <laughs> because that just doesn't sell anymore. It's old news. It's like it's it almost sounds it would almost come off as laziness for a reporter to publish an article that's just talking about some thing happening in Gotham. It's like, well, OK, what else is new? Um, Jenny's in the staff meeting. Yeah, and she actually laughs about it. Water wet and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Which almost kind of, I guess, I don't know, I find it a little heartbreaking. She's siding with Perry on this one. I don't necessarily know if she's siding with him. I think she's, we talked about it with Rebecca where this, well, Perry's, Perry's the jokester out of this movie. I think it's he just that. He says like four jokes in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I think it's just Talk that. It's like, humor, hey, right? your, your, your type of humor, like, it's it's that dry, sarcastic, and I like it. It fits with the movie. Yeah. And I like it, too, because we get to see Clark Kent responding to the humor. So, like, so Perry has some lines that are funny. And I I really like how he acted it out with his, like, hands up in the air and the water wet, like his his other hand going across. But then we see Clark Kent and we're like, oh, man, like, this sucks for Clark Kent. Because he is trying to find a way to make a difference. And he's thinking, like, maybe through my job I can make a difference. and, Mm -hmm. And now Perry's shooting it down. So it's... It's like, okay, they put in some humor, and so if people are just trying to count the jokes because they want to laugh at the comic book movies or whatever, Perry is bringing some legitimately funny lines, but 
it still works for the story and the character arc because we can now empathize with Clark. Like, man, that must be hard to hear your boss joking about the thing that you care about and that you want to work on. Yeah, and under normal circumstances, usually this would be like where the 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 uh, conversation ends, whereas like Perry just kind of makes fun of him and then Clark kind of shuts up about it. Yeah. But, you know, he says, like, did you follow the ho- football yet? And, he argues it. And for once, like, Clark is like, you know what? I'm not done talking about this. Yeah. He says, why aren't we covering this? Um, yeah, there's some more jokes about it. Like, poor people don't buy papers. And Perry responds, people don't buy papers, period, Kent. Um, but Clark's response is probably one of my favorite lines in this entire movie. And, it's again, it's one of those things that, like, you hear and it's something that you should probably apply in real life. Mm-hmm. So he says, Perry, when you assign a story, uh, you're making a choice about who matters and who's worth it. Um, this really good line. It's true. I mean, like if you're writing a story, there's got to be attention that's going to it. And whoever's writing the story is dictating where that attention is going to be going towards. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I don't know if people don't think about it first. I think people just don't care to. Well, I don't know why I just thought about this. Uh, real world example. Um, you remember when that like uh, BP pipeline burst or whatever? Mm-hmm. All the news coverage was about the actual pipeline. Oh, there's a pipeline is bursting. It's crazy. Whatever. All the millions of dollars are getting lost and whatever. Mm-hmm. But then where was the people saying like, hey, man, we got about 30 minutes until all this oil hits all these wildlife animals. Like what? you know, what they chose to display what matters in that sense was BP, the Mm -hmm. company, and their faults and mistakes versus, hey, this happened, but this is affecting the earth in this way. So this is what really should be mattering versus what you guys are choosing to matter. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Am I going off on tangents? No. Mm -hmm. No, makes sense. And Clark is kind of maybe criticizing Perry because he's already been noticing that Perry is he's not necessarily thinking about editorial decisions in terms of what's morally right. Perry seems to be thinking about editorial decisions in terms of getting sales, getting readership. Yep. Um, so I think this has been stewing for Clark for a little while. And Clark is the right character to make this point. Like, like you guys are saying, it's a good point to make and for all of us to think about, but it also is really meaningful for Clark because he's been getting criticized as Superman mm-hmm. and and it has even been raised, like, how does Superman decide who he saves? Like, who does Superman answer to? And so this is what, like, Clark is thinking about. How does he make his decisions as Superman? And now he's bringing it right here into the Daily Planet and saying, like, hey, we also have power as a newspaper. How are we making our choices about what to cover? So, like, it just, to me, it's, it is genius writing because it, like, shows that throughout this whole movie, we're going to see Clark dealing with real things like in his life and as Superman and making hard choices. Like, wow, how do I balance this? This is hard. And and it's important what choice we make because it shows who we value. Like if I'm Superman, if I choose to go save you, that is a very consequential choice. So I need to be very thoughtful about it. I can't just kind of haphazardly go around. And he's bringing that same thing to the Daily Planet table. There's a cost. Or if you're going to dress up as a bat gotta decide <laughs> who matters yeah um you know like wh- what was it like we we've been through some hurricanes recently the u.s has um but you know there's a lot of small islands and stuff that have just been devastated mm-hmm. by 
the hurricanes recently and we don't talk about them as much as we talk about any of our states that are actually connected to the u.s mainland so isn't it it's like why don't those people get any help or uh signal boost of any kind and Mm -hmm. it's like you know when you don't write that you're saying that they don't matter it's true and that's why because they're not part of the u.s um when people have to flee the state of texas or florida we accept them with open arms and we like make a big deal about it but you know we have people who are trying to get in this country mm-hmm. and we don't care so it's a big statement and it's like one of those things that it's with this line it's something that you have to ask yourself in life who matters true wise words mark kahina says that too in that interview to to oh, ask yeah. superman exactly which lies matter and which ones do not yeah it's a question mm-hmm. if you know the man upstairs does exist is a question to ask him. Yeah. But then Perry is like, Nope, the conscious, the conscience died. You know, it's a, we don't, we aren't basically thinking morally in that way anymore. We're thinking about other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does he say, Nate? What is that line? The American conscious died with, uh, Robert Martin and John. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. The Kennedys and Martin Luther King. Hmm. Was that so a big, this, in the, throughout the '60s, the three big assassinations. Yeah, and it, there's also the very Cold War heavy aspect of yeah. this movie. So now this is the first time I've I've heard that line used was in this film. Mm-hmm. But do people say that a lot? Because I feel like that's something people say. I have no idea. Oh, that the American conscience died with those three specific names. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I've heard it with those three specific names, but I feel like I have heard that sentiment that the American conscience died sometime in the past, you know, whatever. But I feel like I've heard it when someone refers to um, John Legend's death. John Legend? John Lennon? John Lennon. Whoa. John, John Lennon. Legend's okay. still Whoa. alive. Uh, don't John Legend. don't do that. No, 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 no. John Lennon. I don't know artists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought they were saying Beatles names? Is that no, 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 no. Okay. I've joking. heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. I don't know if it's been all the Beatles names, but I remember thinking like, oh, you I, I remember when I saw this movie, I heard that and heard the American Conscious died. And you thought it was John Lennon. No, 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 no. I've heard someone say American Conscious and, and John Lennon in the same sentence before, so I don't know if I But he's British. This was dude, <laughs> come on. I have no idea. That's why when I heard this line in the movie, I was like, wait a second. That's familiar to me. I've heard that. I think that, yeah, I think that was 1980, right? And I think that 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 might be an important moment. I'm not a historian, but like Jimmy Carter was running for re-election in 1980 and Jimmy Carter like tried to really make this moral appeal. Like as a country, let's like think carefully about the choices we're making for the environment mm-hmm. and for the way that we're living our lives and like we're building big houses and driving big cars and so he basically tried to say like these decisions matter and we need to be very, be very thoughtful about them and then the rest of the country was like nope we, we like getting our stuff we want to like have more plastic wrapped things and you know like keep buying our big trucks and whatever and you know this isn't just me talking i know there's been some analysis where like 1980 and then going into the 80s was kind of like the country deciding we we kind of like our standard of living and we want it to just go forward and we don't want to actually stop and like project out what it's going to mean for the planet. Yeah, people still analyze that. Uh, that was a presidential address from Jimmy Carter, I thought. And uh, I remember having to sit in a discussion 
with a bunch of people and we all like kind of analyzed that entire presidential address by Jimmy Carter. And, you know, at the time it was pretty, uh, it didn't get a lot of positive feedback <laughs> when he said yeah. it, but, but it seems like something like, why, why did we fight that? Why was that? Why in you know, hindsight, man, I don't know, man, people would, nobody wants to change. That's true. People don't like change. It's, it's sad. Um, but it kind of makes you think with that whole, like, the American conscience died with Robert Martin and John, because it's like, was that, I don't know, it makes it seem like it happened all at the same time, and if it all happened at the same time, it's like, it seems like not an assassination of three different people, but it seems like an assassination of what they were fighting for. So it makes it seem mm. incredibly set up, is what I'm saying. So... I'm kind of thinking of a new thing that I have never thought of before, but uh, this is why it helps to go minute by minute. But, like, that was the death of prominent cultural figures, the Kennedys and Martin Luther King. And then mm-hmm. Perry is saying, like, with those deaths, we actually have gone into this, like, conscience-free, you know, new era. Uh, and now at the end of Dawn of Justice, we're going to have the death of a prominent, you know, uh, figure in the culture but maybe that death is going to sp- inspire a new era of the return of consciousness like we are going to try to do the right thing now that superman has died um so it's it's maybe like you could break these different eras up like there was the american conscience then there were these deaths then there was a period without the american conscience and then superman brings it back by his sacrifice yeah i mean you could definitely yeah i mean i see it um at the same time you could argue that the death of those three very prominent people um that would make them martyrs i mean why i think it's on you if you stop believing in what they believed in just because they died you know like that's now it's your job to kind of like batman you know just because superman died doesn't mean you just stop you know that the end of this film changes batman he says yeah that you know superman is gone now but now it's on me to carry it through Mm -hmm. like his message and that's on us see we as humans our leaders died and we decided not to keep going with uh what they were teaching but with these new heroes we kind of have to not do that not repeat history and let the conscience die does that make Mm -hmm. sense am i getting anywhere yeah (laughs) so maybe they've learned their lesson (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but with that heavy statement, it changes. It's two scenes in the same room, like which is kind of interesting. So after this bit, and with, the main and the main characters change as well. So that's a really good thing without even you realizing it too. Like the two important characters. That yeah, are talking. Like, like we're getting into Lois coming in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Once Lois comes in, Clark is like out of the picture. Like yeah. You don't which even is, care about what's happening with Clark Kent anymore. And that was yeah. a, a second ago. Which is so interesting that you could have the same scene. Yeah. But two scenes in the same scene. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, so she comes barging in into the meeting. She's late for this kind of staff meeting because um, she just got off the phone. Uh, what was it? Um, well, Monday we were talking, and she got off the phone with the crime lab. They kind of had the results of the bullet. So she went to the crime lab. She got her results. She's bringing it back to show Perry White in this meeting, and boom, that's where we are. So she comes in and she's talking about a whole bunch of jibber jabber about what happened in Nairobi and everything. So 
Um, yeah, what, is, what does she start saying? She uses a term that I'm not familiar with. Tard, tar, tard uh, soldiers, is that what she says? Tarek fighters. Tarek fighters, what is that? Tarek, is that a, is that a region? Uh, I didn't look it up, but I saw it on the closed captions like of the actual Blu-ray. Yeah. It's T-U-A-R-E-G. I don't know what that is. Oh, I got an, I got the internet right here. Yeah, I you figured could use that. <laughs> my so Cute. when I was watching it in theaters, I just assumed it was one side of the Civil War in Nairobi. So like maybe that's like a way that one side is referred to as target fighters, but it could also be just an adjective meaning some sort of guerrilla or you know I don't know rebel rebellious force. Um, I really don't know. They're 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 a group of people. Um. Uh, usually inhabiting the Sahara Desert and the vast areas stretching uh, from southwestern uh, Libya to uh, uh, Algeria. So uh, they're traditionally a nomadic group of people. So it's like saying southerns and here, like southerners here in America because it's a whole region. You could be talking about someone in Georgia or Tennessee. So it's mm-hmm. like the same thing. Or New Englandites. Is that how you say that? That's no, a region, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, a, a large <laughs> ethnic confederation. There you go. So Southerners. Yeah, Southerners. <laughs> um, Lois Lane comes into the office, um, and she's saying that the guys in the crime lab have never seen this bullet before. Um, it just sets up another joke by Perry White, who quickly, swiftly grabs the bullet, looks at it, and says, it's a bullet, you shoot people with it. Done. You shoot people with it. What does that mean? What do you mean, what does that mean? Why did Perry White have to see a bullet and instantly think you shoot people with it? Instead oh, of people. shooting targets you or shoot something? People. Yeah, instead of yeah. shooting targets, instead of shooting anything else. like you shoot, pe- you shoot things with it. You shoot it. You put it in a gun. No, you shoot people with it. Yeah, I guess that mm-hmm. is pretty important. And Could have said animals or something. You could have even said... Man, you shoot men. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was trying to fine. reference people with, you know, Alexander Colin Cow a person instead of a man. Mm-hmm. Interchanging the word human with people or person. Yeah. So Lois Lane says this bullet was recovered in the firefight in the Sahara. She says the Saharan Desert. I don't want to misquote. Um, recovered from the scene in the desert, a fire in the desert. Yeah. Uh, not sold anywhere in the world commercially, not even the black market. And I don't know how we all know that exists. I don't know how someone finds that out. I don't know if they like call it the black market hotline. They, yeah, they got an 800 number. This number that the SKU number is three, two, one, five, seven, six. It's Nathan's phone number. So write that down. (laughs) Um, um, but yeah, I don't know how you find out that the black market is, uh, selling those bullets or not um she's lois lane she can find out anything man yeah so she's wondering how targ fighters in the sahara got their hands on these prototype uh weaponry and (laughs) perry's just like come on like quit beating around the bush just you ask lois i love that term yeah i like that line are you what are you doing I was leaving the floor open for some. Oh, season. that's it. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I'm not gonna. No, I mean, I just, one. I just really like that 
Perry is just like a straight shooter. And like, like you said, that line is, you know, the ask Lois, like, obviously, like, what, what is it? Come on. And it's Lois Lane. Like, how often do you think he's got to come on, Lois, get to the point? Like, what do you need? What do you want? What are you asking? And I think she shows that she really knows how to make a pitch with Perry. And Perry has a lot of respect for her because they've worked together so long. But she like she already says, I kind of have a working hypothesis, which is that our government is arming the rebels but publicly they're also saying that they support the government so like there is this civil war tension of the government and the rebels and she thinks our government might be on both sides somehow which would be a big story right um so she like lays out i think i have a little bit of a working hypothesis of what's going on and then she says i just need a couple days in washington dc to like see if i can you know connect the dots and then he's like okay go and coach he gets one more funny line in there with the coach thing but I, i like the I like any scene that has Perry and Lois, and that goes back to Man of Steel. I just really like the relationship they have and the intensity and the respect, but they also can, like, you know, give it to each other, but it's, like, through respect, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, I know you guys don't like to always refer to, like, things future in the movie, but later there's going to be an important moment where she has to go and ask for a helicopter from Perry. And to me, that moment later on in the movie is, like, the echo of this moment where she asks him. And... Perry has the respect for her. In this one, it's like a business assignment. In that later one, it ends up being like a personal request. Mm-hmm. But per- but Perry knows that if Lois is asking for it, it's serious, and he gives it to her. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, <clears throat> I think in that moment, later on in the film, that's when the walls come down, and it's like Perry White is like, this is the true father figure, where he's like, yo, on a personal level, you know I always have your back, even though I give you a lot of shit. Um, but I think it's really interesting here that here's, you have two reporters, both with like a sense of morals and they're like fighting for this story that they want to tell. And, you know, he's like, all right, what are you asking for Lois? All right, here it is. But then like, why can't Cal like publish his story? You know, like he's a newbie, man. I know. Right. Isn't that, but that's not fair. Like the more I look at this, the more I look at this, like still of Clark Kent just kind of like his furrowed brow like looking at Lois Lane like what is she asking for but weren't at we, the same we, time weren't we talking about communism earlier yeah <laughs> <laughs> why is it that she gets to pull, you know gets what she wants but he can't do what he wants there you go his story and they're both like about truth and justice so like what's I mean that's not fair but so be it right so be it do you guys have anything else for this minute before we start to wrap up the show? Not that. Nope. No, sir. That's it. I had one really small thing, which is that Perry like talks down to Clark and calls him Smallville, which is kind of like, you know, you're naive. You're, you know, you're from a little podunk town and in Metropolis, mm-hmm. we we're like, you know, so I'm from a very small town in northern Michigan, uh, and so like I notice lines like that where it's like, oh, you're kind of discounting Clark's opinions and Clark's values because he's from like you know rural America instead of like a real city or something. So I think that also probably like dug at Clark a little bit, and then so it's a tough scene for Clark. Like he's you know handling a lot of tensions and isn't sure what to do about it, and that's kind of what happens a lot through the this part of the movie. And then now Lois is going to be going and she's following up something that he didn't even know about. So he's like, what's going on with this bullet? So like for me, like one of the things I love most about this movie is just empathizing with Clark all the way through it. Uh, To me, he goes through so much and it's very rich and complex, but 
I just really enjoy the story as a Superman story that's told. And you know, you don't get to empathize with him at all in the theatrical cut. I think we've said that before, but mm-hmm. like, it's exactly what you said, Sam. Like, it's this movie is supposed to be like a, I don't want to say feel bad for Superman, but it's supposed to like knock him down out of the sky. And, you know, you get him in a lot of the Clark Kent scenes and like, you just don't get that in the theatrical cut. So you can't empathize with him. People want Superman to feel bad about, I want Superman to feel bad about me. I don't want to feel bad about Superman. That's the selfishness. That's messed up, man. Yeah. That's messed up. I don't like that. Yeah. Hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? <laughs> or, or like they want Superman to be from like a farm family in a small town, but they just want it to be like perfect and perfect and idyllic. They don't want him to ever like get talked down to because he's from a small town. But like to me, it's very realistic. Like an editor in a big city newspaper, if he ever needs to like cut the legs out from under this you know reporter, he's just gonna like talk down to him and call him Smallville. Mm-hmm. And even I mean, I'll even hypothetically, Perry knows that. Cal and Superman are one Clark and Superman are one of the same. So like if you know that like this, you know, being is working for you, like you're not gonna like you're gonna keep the facade up and not treat him, you know, like yeah, you don't get treated any differently. You don't get treated any differently. So and, and you're the new guy, so you're gonna get, you know, the crappy stories, you're gonna get talked down to, all your ideas are gonna get shut down, even with Perry thinking like, Hey, that's Superman, but still could be fun for Perry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just told Superman to go F off. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> possibly uh sam can you tell us about the first time you saw dawn of justice i saw it the thursday night that it opened i was pretty excited about it because i had been on set for the filming uh, part of the filming in detroit and i got like the footage of ben affleck when he was on set um so i like ever since then my excitement for the movie had just grown and grown so i saw it opening night by myself uh and I liked it, but like when I came back from it, I couldn't process it all. Um, I knew there was stuff there. I knew that I liked aspects of it, but I knew that I needed to like think about it more and see it again and stuff. So I think when I came home to my wife, I told her like, it's pretty good. Like it's well made. It's, it's really good and rich, but I think I told her like I would give it like a 7.5 out of 10 off of my first viewing. But I knew I wanted to see it again, so me and her and a few friends went and saw it on Saturday. And after that, my whole group, we, we like talked about it for two and a half hours after the movie. And we like talked about the movie for that whole two and a half hours. And that was when I was like, this was cool. Like, this was fun to talk about it. And I, I saw more things in the second viewing. And so it already started to like edge up a little bit. And then I started the podcast like a couple days later, which I didn't even plan to do the Justice League Universe podcast, but literally I was just thinking about BVS so much that I'm like, I'm going to just do this systematically and actually put it down in writing because I really want to think through this movie. And then I saw it a few more times. I did the analysis and then I just love it more and more every time I see it. And now it's like, like I said at the beginning of the week, it's like my second favorite movie of all time. I adore it. Uh, I think it's just masterful in so many different aspects of filmmaking that um, it's really something that I appreciate. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is this your favorite meeting of the two characters, or do you have one that you think tops this one as far this, as Bat- Batman and Superman meeting? Yeah, this is my favorite meeting of them. It's also 
one of my favorite Batman stories of any medium, and I think it is my favorite Superman story of any medium. Um, so, yeah, for me, BVS is really high. But um, I would also, like, recommend to people the uh, Superman animated series that brought together Batman and mm-hmm. Superman a couple times, and I really yeah. like those, too. And especially, like... You know, for people who aren't ready to dive as deeply into, like, BVS uh, to get as much out of it, if they just want a more straightforward, feel-good, like, nice story with Batman and Superman. I like Superman the Animated Series. Um, They did World's Finest, which was, like, a multi-part episode, and I think they, like, might have sold it as a animated movie called, like, Batman Superman movie or something. But in the show, show it was called The World's Finest, and uh, it's their first meeting in the animated universe, so that's a cool one. And it has Lex and Joe also yeah. collaborating which i thought was cool um and then the animated series for superman they also did an episode that i really like called night time which is when superman goes to gotham and actually mm-hmm. pretends to be batman for the episode and so they don't interact a lot in the in the episode but it's superman in batman's world doing batman kinds of things and so they still he's getting to know Batman a lot because he's like literally walking a day in Batman's shoes. So I really like that episode too. Cool. Damn, that's awesome. Um, well, Sam, it has been a pleasure as always, as always. Yeah. This week has been phenomenal. Um, looks like next time we're going to be talking about suicide squad, right? (laughs) Hopefully. Yep. That one. I'm I'm okay with Suicide Squad. I definitely will not be as heaping of praise onto it like I am BVS, but this was a lot of <laughs> I think it's all right though. It's I'm happy to have Suicide Squad in the universe even if I don't adore it as much as BVS or Man of Steel for example. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm really glad you guys had me back. Uh, I love talking about this movie for anybody who wants to do it. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks. Alrighty, we are going to wrap up for the week. If you've enjoyed everything you heard, uh, if you leave us a five-star review, it really helps us out on the show, and we love reading those out over the air, so please do that. Um, Patreon, we also have a Patreon. You can find that, Too Old Media, um, patreon.com slash Media. Um, you can get bonus episodes from Nate and I where we're going to be doing uh, comic book reviews that you choose uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber. And you can join our uh, Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. You can join us, some guests, and some other listeners to talk about the minutes at hand. And we'll catch you next week here on DC Cinematic Minute.